This is episode 35 of the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. Welcome to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast, conversations with women who have found creative ways to travel more. I'm your host, Jet Set Lizette, and I've been able to make dream travel a reality by racking up airline miles and hotel points, saving over $100,000 in travel costs. But that's just one way to travel more. Hearing how others have made travel a priority is a great way to get ideas and get inspired. This podcast is going to help you become the globetrotter you've always wanted to be by bringing you valuable tips, resources, and insights from seasoned travelers. Today, I'm talking with Sojourner White, a world traveler, content creator, and international social work graduate student. Her blog, Sojourneys, offers tips and resources on how to balance travel with work and or school and explores personal topics like traveling while black. She's a thoughtful and inspiring young woman, and I'm super excited to have her share her story in the Globetrotter Lounge. So she's going to be sharing about her first international experience and how it sparked a passion for travel, the Fulbright Scholar Assistantship that enabled her to work abroad, her unusual graduate degree track, and much, much more. You're also going to learn about what it's been like for her to travel as a Black woman and how she feels like she's starting to really own and live up to her amazing name. But before we dig in, I want to quickly remind you about my free seven-day email course, Seven Steps to Free Travel. It breaks down the steps that I've taken to rack up over a million airline miles and hotel points, enabling me to travel to dream destinations whenever I want. You can do it too. Sign up at stepstofreetravel.com. That's stepstofreetravel.com. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. All right. Well, welcome, Sojourner. I'm so glad to have you here on the podcast today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I'm a big fan. So this is pretty exciting. Yay. (laughs) Thank you so much for being a fan and now being a guest. Love that you reached out to me and I'm really excited to learn more about your story and share all that you're doing. Um, So let's start off, like I always do, with what sparked your love of travel, and that could be obviously childhood or it could be something later, but what got you started with being interested in travel? I think it started with my parents, honestly, because I'm born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but my dad is from St. Louis, my mom is from Pittsburgh, and my stepdad's family migrated from Louisiana to Milwaukee, so I was always traveling for family reunions, Thanksgiving, summer vacation, spring break. I was always on the road. And then once I started learning Spanish, uh, I kind of got introduced to the international world and I wanted to use that. And so when I studied abroad in Granada, Spain in 2015, that was it. I haven't, I haven't, tra- I haven't stopped traveling uh, since then. So it was a combination of family and school and then learning Spanish and and wanting to go off and explore that because I got almost like a D in one of my Spanish classes. It was like a lit class. So I said, either I'm going abroad or I'm dropping this major. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And so I went abroad and it was the best decision. Wow. So how did you manage to go abroad for that? Like, how did that work? Did you have to get into a special program to do that or what happened? I declared a Spanish major and a psychology major when I was an undergrad. And I was trying to go during the summertime because I thought it was more feasible. Then I found out that if you get FAFSA, which is um, for those who aren't familiar, it's the federal financial aid in the United States. 
Uh, if you get that, you can actually use that during the semester to go abroad. And it's financially easier to do that because you're already in school. You just take all your classes in a different country. So once I found out that I didn't actually have to pay a lot out of pocket, it made it a better decision for me to go and still get college credit at the same time. That's great. So that's an opportunity that not everybody is aware of or that realize that they can do. Um, I know that I was able to go abroad as well. And I think I was 19. Um, I think people sometimes don't realize what you can do with some of your funding and that there's probably even more programs available now. I'm imagining that when I was in uh, college. Yeah, there's traditional school programs. There's like semester at sea. I had a friend who did that who was studying abroad on a cruise ship for a semester. And there's so many different ways to to go abroad. So I'm glad it worked out. And it, people don't know that you can use your fi- your federal aid if you get it to go abroad. And I wish more people would know that so that they could go abroad. Because once you know that, then, you know, the rest can work out. Yeah. So tell me, where had you been internationally before you went to Granada? I hadn't been anywhere internationally. I wanted to in high school, but again, it was about finances and time and whatnot. So I never got the chance to go. So it was something that my Spanish teachers in high school said, if you're going to major in Spanish and if you really want to learn the language, you have to go. I never intended on going to Spain, though, because I never had Spanish teachers from Spain. They were all from Latin America. So when I got to my undergrad and they only really had programs in Spain and I hadn't learned the vosotros, I was like, well, I guess I'm gonna learn it today because (laughs) that's where I'm going. Wow. So I never even intended on going to Spain and now I've been there twice. So it's kind of crazy. So when you went that first time, how long were you there? I was there from January to May of 2015. So I went from no travel to I'm there for a whole semester of international travel. And how was that? Obviously, it inspired you to keep doing it, so you enjoyed it. But just what were some of the things that happened when you first got there? Was there culture shock? Was it easy? Was it fun? What was it like? It was all new. It was great. I loved it. I was obsessed with Granada when I first landed. I was luckily on the flight with a bunch of my friends who were were really my friends at the time. but We all went to the same school, so we got to know each other throughout the semester. But it was new for all of us to go. So I remember being in O'Hare Airport. We were all nervous. <laughs> hadn't really been on an international flight. I remember taking photos of like the airplane food because I'd never been on a flight that had actual meals <laughs> before. So landing in Granada and then we all crashed out because of the time difference. And then we all got up and went out in true Spaniard fashion. Uh, so it was all it was all new. And then just walking around, getting to know like the city because it's a pretty walkable space, a walkable place too. And then I had a host family. So meeting my host mom who did not speak any English. So I had to really, really develop my Spanish, which was a very important thing to do while I was gone. The travel, everything was like a ripple effect. And then Granada has a lot of history because they have a lot of Moorish history with the Alhambra and learning about that. And then we actually went to Morocco within the first month of my program. That's also part of my program. It was an exchange for a week. We stayed with the host family in Morocco, talked to students about what it was like to be a young person in Morocco, because coming from the U.S., we have a lot of stereotypes of what Moroccan or Muslim culture in general is. And so that was the first time I had ever been to Africa as well and talked to students who were from Morocco before. So it was a ripple effect of new experiences. 
Wow, that sounds amazing. I haven't been to Morocco yet, but I did go to Granada and visited the Alhambra. And wow, that cathedral there is spectacular. It's beautiful. Yeah. And so many great things. I saw flamenco there. So yes, but Morocco is definitely high up on my list. So sounds like you had an amazing experience. Yes, it definitely shaped how I view travel now because I was studying first. It wasn't like I travel for leisure internationally. So when I do that now, it kind of feels weird because that was never how I got started. But you learn to appreciate both experiences. So where have you been since then? What did travel look like after that initial experience? Travel looked like me trying to go everywhere. Um, <laughs> I, When I studied abroad, I went, I was in Spain and Morocco. I went to England. I went to London for the first time. I went to Rome and then I did a college trip to Lagos, Portugal and the Agrave Cave and everything like that. So that was fun. Uh, and then when I went back to teach English in Spain, I traveled even more. I spent spring break in Greece, which was a dream come true. I went to Prague for Christmas. Then I went to Budapest, Brussels, Amsterdam. I just got back from Berlin for a summer internship. And I've been to Mexico twice. Wow. Once I got back from Granada, the past four years, I've just been making sure I can travel as much as I can. That is a serious travel bug that you got bit with. That's great. <laughs> it's really serious. <laughs> So, and yeah, you've been a student for, you know, this stretch, except for, well, you were also a Fulbright yes. um, scholar, right? So tell me about that. So how did that happen? That was unexpected. I had learned about Fulbright my freshman year of undergrad because another Black woman had received a Fulbright to go to South Korea and her sister was still at the university and she was talking about it. But I assumed that you needed a degree in education and I was psychology and Spanish, and I didn't really want to change. And then once I studied abroad, and I loved it so much, I ended up meeting with our Fulbright advisor. And he said, if you want to apply, you still can. There is actually no education degree requirement. And throughout undergrad, I thought I wanted to be a school psychologist. So I had a lot of experience teaching, actually, and working with youth in like summer camps. I worked for like a gifted program. I worked in all types of camps uh, throughout undergrad. So all those experiences pretty much helped me be a better applicant to apply for Fulbright. And I got it, which was even more shocking because I didn't go to a big Ivy League or a big university that was known for producing Fulbright scholars. So I was really nervous uh, that I applied to this really prestigious program and didn't really know what I was doing. And then it all just kind of worked out. And yeah, it was it was a, a year of growth, I would say. I learned a lot. I was in a smaller village or a smaller town. It wasn't a village in a smaller town in northern Spain, teaching three to five year olds and six to 12 year olds, so pretty much preschool to sixth graders which if you've ever taught preschool, bless your heart. <laughs> bless your heart. I have a new appreciation for for the young, the teachers who teach the young ones, because it's a lot to teach uh, someone who is just learning Spanish. Oh, by the way, you have to learn English too. But I learned a lot throughout that year as far as like working abroad and what that could look like. And even though I didn't end up going into education it helped me figure out that I have a passion for education, just not in that context, which is how I ended up in international social work now. Right. So the Fulbright was after you were done 
with your undergraduate studies. Yes. And you did that. And then you ultimately now, now you're a graduate student yes. in international social work. Yes. So tell me what that is. Because I remember when I first talked to you, I was like, whoa, wait, there's such a thing as international social work? Like fascinating. I said the same thing. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. So my first year, I was in Fulbright, traveled, taught, drank a lot of wine in La Rioja, was amazing. <laughs> Decided to go back home for a year because I hadn't been living at home since I left for college when I was 17. So I was 22 by that time. And so I went, 22, 23. So I went back and was in AmeriCorps in a program that's amazing as well called Public Allies. And I was working with Girl Scouts in Milwaukee. And that's how I kind of got wrapped into social work. Uh, because that is pretty much like a social work type position. I was leading troops in five or six schools, two of which were my, my actual alma maters in Milwaukee. And so that opened my eyes to what I could do with like girls education, both domestically and internationally. So when I was applying to graduate school, my friend was like, well, why don't you apply to the social work program in St. Louis? I'm like, all right, I'll look at it. But I wasn't serious. And then when I saw that it combined social justice work and then also international development policy and theory and understanding what that is, as well as social entrepreneurship, I fell in love with the program. So international social work has so many avenues. I'm more at the organizational levels. So I work with like institutions and how they can better uh, equip themselves to serve their populations um, I've done a lot of racial equity work here in the U.S., but then abroad, I've done work around gender empowerment and refugee empowerment. So it's a combination of things. It's really what you want to do. I'm not the type to be a therapist. Like, that's not my calling. But working through policies and creating interventions and whatnot is is my area of social work. Okay. So having an international social work degree or, you know, graduate degree would allow you to, in theory, also be able to travel, mm -hmm. go live in different places where they're going to maybe hire you, draw on some expertise that you may bring, mm -hmm. but also just seeing how you can best serve the community and working with the local community to meet whatever those needs are. Like you said, through policy, maybe. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. It's a combination. I've done some work around evaluation. So program evaluation, making sure that the services that you're providing and what and the impact matchup, because that's a big thing within social work. We're always trying to understand the impacts of what we're doing just to make sure we're not applying for grants and funding and we're not doing what we're actually say we're doing, which is really important to me. And then on the international social work level, culturally responsive evaluation and making sure that we're not projecting Western ideology on nations that do not have Western ideals because the way they do things may work just as well and not saying we have the solution here, do this, making sure it's a community-based approach and that we're working together is something that I value a lot. And I'm actually in the class on that this semester, uh, working through that as well. That's great. Yeah, because even as I was saying like, oh, bring your expertise, it's true. It's I've actually done a lot of work in research. Mm -hmm. My career path has been about research and working with tribal communities here in the mm -hmm. United States. And and that's the thing is it's been community-based participatory research. And mm -hmm. thank goodness, because really it's the communities that inform you know us what they need and what they want to do and how they would like to do it and what would work best for them. Um, so it's interesting to have like skills that you're bringing, but at the same time, not imposing, you know, a viewpoint. 
Yep. CBPR is what we talk about. Yep. And we could go off into another sidetrack now. We'll be like, we could, we could. We're going to talk about community based research interventions, but we won't go there. Um, But what I will get back to is how you have managed to land on something that does incorporate your love of travel that you discovered early in your college, you know, early in your life, really, you're still young. So um, I know that that led you to this discovery that you could incorporate travel, school, work has led you to your blog. So Mm -hmm. um, maybe talk a little bit about your blog and what your hope is in, you know, creating this content that you're putting out there. Yeah, so my blog is called Sojourneys. So it's a play on my name. Um, pretty much like Sojourners, Journeys, or Travels. And it initially was, you know, your standard run of the mill study abroad blog so that my mom knew I was okay <laughs> right. uh, back home. And then the more I got into it, the more I realized how much I love writing. And when I was teaching with Fulbright, I started writing for Las Morenas de España, which if you're not familiar, it's a Black woman in Spain website. And I was a contributor for them for a year. And when I got back, I still wanted to develop my writing skills and share my love of travel and working and what you can really do. And now I pretty much blog about, well, my first love is always food. So you would definitely find some foodie guides because I believe (laughs) you can learn a lot about a culture through the food that is available. But It's also a mix of what to look for when you're looking for internships abroad, how to find graduate programs that incorporate travel, because I believe there are ways to travel without quitting your job. That's one way you could do it. But there are so many other careers out here where you can combine both and you can have the leisurely travel on the vacation, you know, when you're on a vacation. But also if you want to live somewhere and do work somewhere, there's also that avenue as well. So I like to combine both of them um, with my blog and then share all of that along the way. And it's including fellowships, again, internships, anything that'll get people to go abroad in their field as well. That's great. And I know I saw somewhere on your website or maybe some of the information you sent me, you mentioned, you know, specifically, I think you say that creating a life of travel doesn't always mean quitting your job or becoming a digital nomad. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned like you really want to provide information that will inspire the average person to go abroad or explore where they are. And I really liked that because I think there is this big trend right now, you know, digital nomad. I talk about like, I want to be one, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's really great. But I do Mm -hmm. think, yeah, it's like there's still this continuum and there's a lot of room in between being like a full on digital nomad or staying at home and not doing any travel. There's, There's so much in between there. And I love how your story shows that you're traveling, but you're incorporating it into something you might end up with like a regular job, but your job will take you somewhere else. Yeah. So I really like that you're focusing on that. Have you had people respond to your blog? You know, what has been some of the response that you're getting? Yeah, it's the more that I talk about international social work, the more questions people have, because it is not a field that even I knew what it was fully when I applied to my graduate program. And so I think a lot of my friends actually are interested in figuring out how they can incorporate travel because I'm in a social work program for grad school, but also there's public health. So there's the whole global health angle and they're trying to look to go abroad too. People have just been really open to different experiences and are interested in what I'm doing and how to make it work for them because I'm not trying to say everyone should be an international social worker. That's not feasible for everybody. Sure. But there are ways to go abroad and 
you know, here are resources to do it. So the response has been really cool. I've been able to connect with people through Instagram and Facebook and Twitter who are just interested in, you know, figuring out what can I do to make travel part of my life? What, what are the ways I can do that? And so it's been really cool. I, I love it. And I'm excited to see what happens when I no longer have classes after graduation um, in May. Wow. Graduations in May. That's exciting. Congrats on that coming up. Thank you. So I really want to touch on to what you were saying about contributing to Las Morenas de España. And I noticed that right away when you sent me information because I actually have studied flamenco dance for like mm. almost 10 years. And for a while, I was obsessed with trying to find black flamenco dancers. And there are a few, but like mm-hmm. not many. And I had this like collection of people I found on Facebook and I called them like the La Morenas mm-hmm. <laughs> flamenco. But I would love to hear like what you were writing about, what you were, I think you mentioned somewhere that you were talking about your experience obviously as a black woman in Spain but also on your blog your own blog you talk about traveling while black and mm-hmm. so I don't know if you want to share any anything about all of that yeah working or writing for them was a really great experience I highly recommend if anybody's going to Spain and wants to get into writing to connect with them Sienna and Danny are amazing uh, but for me I wrote a lot about just stuff that came up for me as I traveled. My last piece that I wrote was to be Black, a woman, and a Fulbright scholar, because those are three different identities. And with Fulbright, it does have the whole prestigious in the lead name on it. So navigating that with two identities that are not necessarily seen as always being prestigious or more target is definitely a, was a conundrum at times. Mm. So I talked about that. And then on my blog, I talk about experiences traveling while black I just wrote my first really long version of it because it's taken me some time to find the words to describe it especially because a lot of my experiences have been in Europe Uh, I get a lot of what part of Africa are you from you know as if slavery wasn't global as if colonization wasn't global and how do you navigate those questions when you get them abroad like what do you say you know like how do you how do you try to prove to somebody who insists on arguing with you that you're from Africa and that you're not from you know Milwaukee Wisconsin a place they probably never heard of Uh, so it came with a little baggage uh, but also there were a lot of great parts when I was teaching it was it was an experience to teach my students I was the first uh, black American teacher they ever had So they had a lot of questions for me. And so I incorporated it into my lessons. I'm like, you want to learn about adjectives? First off, Marley twist is like another hairstyle. So I would (laughs) incorporate as much black culture in my lesson planning as possible. So they understood, you know, where this teacher, you know, came from, from the United States, because my culture, you know, black culture is different from other cultures in the United States. We have so many different ones. So I wanted to make sure that I was representing myself and my culture in uh, a positive light. And that came with some emotional labor. I'm not going to lie. I did have to address the N-word a few times in my school. So I learned boundaries in the workplace and how much work you're willing to do, you know, in the space. But overall, it it definitely expanded my view of what it means to be Black because there are Black people everywhere. You know, we are not a monolith. We are in Europe, we're in Latin America, we're in Africa, we're in Asia, we're everywhere. So just learning from other people who I met along the way who were Black too has also been a great experience. 
Yeah. And have you talked about, I'm just curious, have you talked about sort of the perspective that happens as a black woman from America or just a black person from America traveling abroad? And I know for me, like you said, meeting other black people from other countries and then, you know, being outside of this country for a while and just being able to look at America and, yeah. the, and the racial issues there from a different countries, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. A lot of times there's similarities, you know, you're like, oh, there's racism here or whatever. But then there's these interesting differences that I feel like it just helped me to get out out of the country and get a different angle to look at it with. Have you talked about some of that? Just like, oh, the black experience is similar yet different around the world, you know? Yeah, I was in Amsterdam earlier this month when I after I finished my internship in Berlin and I did I I joined like the Amsterdam Black Women group on Facebook to intentionally meet other black women as I was traveling. And one of the women is Afro-Dutch. And so she born and raised in Amsterdam. And so she was talking to me about how there are a lot of like black American podcasts, but there weren't a lot like Europe like black European podcast. So that was a really interesting conversation to have with her because she said we have similar experiences, but sometimes in the workplace it functions differently. You know, like so she was giving me different examples of how her experiences as a black woman in Amsterdam differ from mine in the United States. And it was a great conversation to have because there are differences. Yeah, we're all similar, yeah, we're we're all black. But again, it functions like there are systems, you know, as a social worker, uh, there are systems uh, in the United States that are at play that are like systematic oppression that is not the same in Amsterdam. And so talking to her and getting her perspective was really insightful. Yeah, that's great. I can't wait to, you know, explore some of what you've written. Um, So, yeah. And so what has been your greatest travel experience to date? I mean, there's a hard question to answer. I know. So just one of your favorites. I I hate almost asking that question because people are like, oh, how do I pick? Do you have something that stands out? Oh, gosh, my greatest travel experience. Well, I would say actually... I, w- I did my first solo trip after doing two programs abroad and a lot of group travel. I did my first solo trip May 2018 to Mexico. So I was in AmeriCorps. I had some days. I'm all about using my days. So I booked a trip to Mexico for about six to seven days on my own, completely solo. And by this time, I had traveled quite a bit. But I was so nervous <laughs> because it was just me and I was going to a place like I had spoken Spain Spanish, but not Mexican Spanish because also languages are different as well. And I was so nervous, but it turned out to be one of my favorite trips ever. I was never alone, actually. I met a few black women my first night in Cancun, another French Canadian black woman when I was in Valladolid, which is a smaller town right outside of Tulum. And then I went to Tulum and I was just, it was the whole experience of just being on my own for the first time in a different country, like truly on my own. I didn't have program friends with me and exploring, eating all the tacos, trying all the drinks. And I took a cooking class when I was in Tulum. So it was a really cool experience to have. It was the first time where I felt like an adult adult because <laughs> I'm kind of in that awkward stage of <laughs> being in grad school, but also being an adult and everything. So that was probably one of my greatest travel experiences I've had thus far. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Solo travels. Amazing. Solo travel is is a whole different lane. It's a whole different thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. So 
that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is how has travel changed you internally? Oh, gosh. So when you mentioned my name and uh, where my name comes from, from Sojourner Truth and everything, I think for a long time, I felt like I was in somebody else's shadow and not in a bad way because she was an amazing abolitionist and women's rights activist. And she did a lot of great work. But when you carry a name with so much weight, you feel that weight and that pressure a lot. And I think the first time I felt that pressure be kind of lifted off of my shoulders was when I started traveling because I felt like this is this feels right. This feels like I'm making my own you know, path to everywhere, my own lane of who I am. And, you know, as I always carry her, you know, on my shoulder, as my mom would say, you know, because you stand on the shoulders of your ancestors. So I will always have her, her guidance and her wisdom through her work that I've read. But travel has really helped me solidify who I am as a person and made me definitely more adventurous because, you know, not many people will book a solo trip, you know, anywhere in the world. And not many people will get up and move across the world twice. And now I'm contemplating a third time once I graduate, you know. So all of those little things together have really made me come into my own and be my own person and be really comfortable in in who I am and what I want to do with my life. So travel is, yeah, it's freedom to me. It's freedom and, you know, always being open to, to trying new things. Wow. I love everything you just said. I love it. So inspiring too, <laughs> to listen you. to you. You're young and already just discovering so much. Well, and your name. Yeah. You know, it also means, of course, we all think of Sojourner Truth. Mm-hmm. And then there's this meaning about travel, yes. you know, to yes. sojourn is to stay temporarily somewhere, aka travel, like to go and visit a place temporarily. And so you are a sojourner, for sure. Yeah, I tell my mom all the time, you knew something, like you <laughs> knew something that I did not know, you know, until my 20s. Like, I don't know right. how you knew, but mamas know. Yep, they do. So I give thanks to her every single day. <laughs> So let's see, what is your next big adventure? I think you just mentioned you're about to do something a third time. Tell me what you're up to next. So I just started my second year, aka my last year of grad school this past Monday. So I'm finishing up my coursework for this next year. My school is actually offering a class in Argentina that I am trying to go on. It's about CBPR and community-based interventions. So love it. That is definitely on my radar as my last grad school hurrah for grad school travel after taking the class in Berlin this summer and staying the summer. Uh, but I'm looking towards that, and then also where I'm going to be after graduation. I got this degree because I want to pursue international social work, so that is that is what I'm looking at doing. Uh, where is the big question? Uh, I've considered programs and or opportunities in Asia and Africa, but because of the Spanish, I'm looking at, you know, Latin America, but I'm pretty much open to going anywhere, trying something new, learning a new language if it requires it. So yeah, so that's like what I'm looking for ahead of time. But I actually have a lot of domestic travel uh, happening this semester. So I'm excited for that too. Great. Well, I can't wait to, you know, hear what happens next. And Do you have, before we wrap up, do you have any tips or advice? I mean, you've already been sharing some great ideas just by what you're doing. Um, And I know you've mentioned organizations that I'll probably put links to in the show notes. But any 
other tips or advice for others who are wanting to get started with travel? I would say when you find something, go for it. I live by the motto now, especially after applying, you know, to jobs and programs. You know, the worst thing somebody can tell you is no. And then you just find a different a different path. Because I think we live, it's 2019, almost 2020, you know, in a few months. You can do whatever you want nowadays because people are out here do getting degrees in one thing and doing another or not having degree and just creating their own way. So if there's something you want to do, Google the heck out of it because that's what, how I found international social work. Google the heck out of it and then from there figure out, okay, now what steps do I need to take to get there? Love it. Again, so inspiring. Thanks so much for sharing everything that you've shared today about your journey. I just, I have to say, I'm, I don't want to say envious. I mean, I went and studied abroad, but I'm like, how did I not realize I could get like an international graduate thing going, you know, but I don't know, maybe it's not too late. I can just start graduate school again. Yeah, it's never too late, honestly. Never too late. It's never too late. I did it once. I could do it again this time abroad. Okay. So where can we find you for people who want to follow along um, on your journeys and also, you know, read up on some of your tips and advice and resources? Yeah, so my blog is sojourneys.com, S-O-J-O-U-R-N-I-E-S.com, Instagram at the Sojourneys, and then Twitter is just at Sojourneys, and Facebook is Sojourneys. So Sojourneys everything, um, pretty much. Great. Awesome. And I'll put those links in the show notes as well. And thank you again so much for joining me today. It's been truly a pleasure speaking with you. And I know I'm going to be keeping in touch with you because we got a lot to talk about, including CBPR. So we will be in touch. Thank you so much for having me. I love the podcast. I listen to all of them. So I'm obsessed and I'm really excited. Awesome. Thank you. Want to check out the resources and links mentioned during this episode? Head over to the show notes at jetsetlizette.com forward slash episode 35. That's jetsetlizette.com forward slash episode 35. And Lizette is spelled L-I-S-E-T-T-E. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show. Your contribution will help me with production costs and ensure that I can keep creating great episodes. No donation is too small. You can contribute at jetsetlizette.com forward slash support. And please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend. I really appreciate you spreading the word as it helps me grow the show. So thanks so much for tuning in and getting some travel inspiration. I'll be back with more in a couple weeks. Until then, remember, life is short, travel more. Travel more.